We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of Seahawks Man to Man is presented by OfficialK9.com, the official store of Kenneth Walker III. His store combines the power of Web 2 and Web 3 to allow for fans to purchase new merch drops, digital collectibles, and enter exclusive giveaways. Check out OfficialK9.com to see all the newest merchandise from Kenneth Walker III and use code Seahawks for 10% off at checkout. Again, Use code Seahawks on officialk9.com for 10% off Kenneth Walker III's official gear at checkout. Check out the podcast description for more details. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. Uh, my name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys know where to follow me, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. I'm verified on Twitter. Shout out to Elon, that's not taking away uh, my check. Also, shout out to our YouTube subscribers, Seahawks Man to Man on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed, just go hit the button. Even if you just listen to audio, just go hit the button anyway. It just, you know, helps us out. Uh, Chris, talk to him. What is good, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. All right, guys, we're heading into week 14, Seahawks-Panthers. Seahawks at 7-5, Panthers at uh, 4-8. Not very good. <laughs> um, so, you know, we're going to spend a little bit more time on the Seahawks themselves. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the Panthers as well. The Panthers, who are starting Sam Darnold, by the way. I did not – there's been some uh, – Chris, there's been some – the quarterback shuffling has been kind of crazy. You think about it. It's like the Niners are starting Brock Purdy now, and the Rams just claimed Baker Mayfield, who they may start going forward, and the Panthers are starting Sam Darnold. There's another weird one out there somewhere. Oh, oh, the Jets are starting Mike White. Like there's some weird uh, – and the, the, the commanders are back starting uh, Taylor Heineke. Some really weird like quarterback stuff going on, like stuff that – if you were to say these are the starting quarterbacks in week 14, if you were to tell somebody that in like July 1st, that the, the starting quarterbacks in the NFC West are Geno Smith, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, and Brock Purdy. They were like, dude, put the bath salts down. Those are not, the, you know, the, the starting quarterback. That would just be mind-blowing. 
Um, but anyway, speaking of who the starting quarterback is, I think that that's it's very interesting, Chris, when I'm looking at the Seahawks right now. And this is not anything necessarily new, but I don't feel like it's something a lot of people are saying out loud, especially in the wake of the last three games when it's become very clear um, and maybe concerning, depending on how you look at it. When the Seahawks were having a quarterback competition between Drew Locke and Geno Smith for the starting, you know, for the starting job, they basically, they never said this out loud, but basically were like, look, we just need these guys to be, 2019 Jimmy G, 2018 Jared Goff. The 2018 Jared Goff was probably better of the comp because they had Shane Waldron. They have Shane Waldron on the staff, and Shane was down there in L.A. with um, the Rams when the Rams went to the Super Bowl. Uh, And that was kind of like, all right, what did the Rams do really well? Well, they protected really well, so they figured that that would be the case with their if they started two rookie tackles. Uh, And they were like, they ran the ball really well. Well, what do you know? They got Ken Walker and Rashad Penny. They thought they'd run the ball really well like the Rams did in that 2018 season when whether it was C.J. Anderson or Todd Gurley, they ran the ball really well. They got the ball to their playmakers really well. They had Cooper Cup. They had Brandon Cooks. They had uh, Robert Woods. I think Cup got hurt uh, at some point that season. But either way, they still had the playmakers to get it to. So you've seen the blueprint, and obviously their defense was really good. Uh, They started that season. They had a keep to leave, I think, maybe. Uh, Marcus Peters. Uh, obviously Aaron Donald, like the pieces were there um, clearly. Like there was a blueprint that the Seahawks are like, look, it's not exactly the same, but from a quarterback perspective, we just need our guy to be, you know, Pete Carroll says that point guard shit. Like, Let's do that. Just get it to the guys, hand it off. The protection will be there. Throw it to the first read. You know, we can, we, we can do our thing. We play defense at a, at a high level. And that was understandable, uh, but it was one of the reasons why, no one outside of maybe you, Chris, and KJ Wright, who thought that these guys could sniff nine or ten wins because that particular style of ball can have a very low low floor if it doesn't go well, um, which we've seen from several teams trying to do that. And we're at week 14. They've played 12 games. And with the last three games being most instructive into where I'm about my little hot take here. I know you like when I do a hot take at the end. I got one kind of <laughs> one in the beginning. The Seahawks, as currently constructed, really just do one thing. Let's, let's scratch out special teams for a second, just offensive defense. They really just only do one thing really well, and it's ask Geno Smith to throw. Like, that's really, really it. Like, I know they've had – the defense had a good run there from week six through nine – um that's the uh the four game win streak uh beating the giants cardinals twice and then the chargers um four teams who actually don't think are very good but those were very good wins so you got the four game win streak there where the run game was clicking uh and the defense was doing really good pass rush secondary run defense was great like the other things had come together because gino was already good weeks one through five then week six through nine everyone else caught up week six through uh, weeks 10 through 13 Everything else has regressed pretty much, except for Tariq catching picks uh, and then Cody Barton catching picks now, I guess. Um, everything else has regressed. And now the best thing that they do is have Geno throw. And I think I've mentioned how I like chart the games. I'll obviously go back and watch them later. But how I chart the games in real time with my notebook is before every snap, I write down what formation they're in. Uh, basically how Geno's lined up. I put a UC for under center, but I just write out pistol um, if they're in the pistol. And then I SG for shotgun. Um, I note the down and distance. And if they go empty, I put empty. 
because I want to differentiate empty between other shotgun or pistol snaps. And when I'm looking at some of their scoring drives just back at the game, I'm like, damn, that sure was a lot of empty. That sure was mm. a lot of shotgun. I also note when this play actually too, I'll put a little PA um, on top of the play. So my notebook kind of looks like chicken scratch, but I, and I'm, I'm doing that in real time. So it's how I can track. And it's a lot of, when they're at their best, like again, look at their scoring drives and stuff like that. It's a lot of Gino through here, Gino through there. Like they had to play Chris against the, against who they just play. Why can't I think of who they just played? The, the Rams. Rams. Yes, they had to play against the Rams where it was third and one, right? And you would think like a Pete Carroll team has third and one in week 13. What are they going to do? Run run this sicko madman Shane Waldron went uh, – uh, he went empty on third and one, and then I think it ends up going to Will Disley for like 11 yards or something like that. They end up picking up the first down. Like that's the type of madman we're seeing right now. And you know why Shane's a madman in that way? Because the best thing they do – is is throw the ball with Gino and then not even like throw it like play action shit. I'm talking like empty shotgun. Even the first play against the Chargers, they come out and empty. Uh, and then it's uh, I think he throws Disley again. That's the first play of the game against one of the worst worst run defenses in the league. Like it's 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 kind of fascinating when you look at it just in the big sample using the last three games as probably like the real Seahawks because the last three look like the first five, and that makes the that makes an eight game sample a bit more instructive than that four game win streak, I think. So you look at that, that eight game sample. And yeah, Chris, the Seahawks are basically like the, the, especially with the running backs being injured. The best thing they do is have Gino drop back and pass it. And if you'd have told me that on July 1st, that that's the best thing the Seahawks are going to be doing. And they're really, really fucking good at it. I'd have told you to put the bath salts down, but like, here we are in week 14 and that's what they do best. It's quite interesting because for the last, Four or five years. Well, since we're doing the podcast, we've been wanting Pete to catch up with the other teams across the league that do both things pretty well, but they throw it even better. And a team that you could look for, look at as an example would be the Chiefs. They don't run it all that well, but if they need to, can they? Okay, sure. But the one thing that they are elite at is throwing the ball, and that's because they have Patrick Mahomes back. They're one of the best, if not the best, quarterback in the league. And then you look at Pete Carroll, his DNA, you've mentioned it. It's all about having control, basically with what the Rams did to the Seahawks on the first possession, that's what Pete would love to do. He would love right. to just run it down your throat, punch it in the end zone, 7-0. We sent that other team a message. And teams are doing that to the Seahawks. And Pete's like, damn, running back situation, ah, kind of scary. We can try to run, but for whatever reason, the run game isn't working. Mike, you did a whole review on it, on what has been going on these past few weeks, on why they're struggling running the football. But then he's like, eh, I got this guy named Gino who seems to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So you know what? Shane, do what you got to do, man. And the best part about it, they don't – I know it's – you've talked about it multiple times about do they score too fast because the defense obviously needs a break. You mm -hmm. don't want to score it in three minutes and your defense just gave up a touchdown and the team just ran down their throat. They're going to be a little tired, obviously. It's a long game. But they also – they're really good at not just instantly scoring. Like they build up drives. It's a, it's a lengthy drive. It's not a, oh, Tyler Lockett for a 90-yard touchdown. You don't see much of that. You might see DK hit one for 40 yards, and then it's five plays of seven yards, three yards, five yards, first down. And then if you look, I know it's a, it says Panthers or Seahawks, and we're talking about 
what they've done over the season. But I think it all points to how this game will go against the Panthers. You look at what they did on how many first downs they got versus passing and running, right? The Rams, they had first downs running in the football. They had 11. That is the Pete Carroll formula. You know how many passing first downs they had? Seven. If you look at what the Seahawks did, you would think this is a new regime, and who is this head coach? Granted, there's injuries. There's a whole bunch of reasons why they weren't able to run the football. But another reason is Geno's just making it work. He's making throws. He is finding guys. Players are open. He's reading things. They had The Seahawks had 18 passing first down compared to five rushing. That was against the – that's the number that against the Rams. Rams. Yes. Wow. That that's... is – that's huge. And that we're talking about Pete Carroll. We're not talking about another team. We're talking about what Pete, what Pete Carroll's offense is looking like. And they won the game because Gino was able to – lead this team when the defense couldn't figure things out. The offense was shaky for the most part because they hadn't scored up a touchdown up until that fourth quarter. They were It was third quarter, they had a field goal, and then early in the fourth quarter, they also got another field goal. And then that last possession with two minutes and I want to say 40, 50 seconds left, Geno just kills it, ends the game. And that is – I got to give kudos to Pete Carroll because he could have easily just been ignorant and just stuck with his ways and be like, nah, F that. <laughs> I'm going to run the football – our guys are going to have to figure it out. But he's also allowing Shane to cook, per se. And in that regard, that is resulting in what we're seeing, Gino having a career year throwing the football, looking like one of the best, and being confident. And then you have his teammates who also believe now that he can do that. So if they're in a situation against the Panthers where, well, where they can't run the football again, they're struggling, you know what you can do? You can call some stuff for Gino. Mike, how many times did you look at your notepad and said, damn, they're empty formation? Because Gino can get it done. Gino has shown consistently that he can throw the football. He hasn't shown that he can win it in tight matchups too much, but he did on Sunday, and that's just a stepping stone for this offense. The defense is a whole other you know, discussion we have to have because it's just up and down. The past three weeks has been down. Not a lot you can work with there. They just, I think it comes down to, Mike, you pointed it out, I think maybe week six or seven, you were looking at, we were talking about the schedule at the end of the year and how challenging it might be because some of these teams are good at what? Running the football. Like That was the main focus you were talking about. Like, eh. Some of these teams are really good at running the football. I think they were all, the last couple teams, they're all top 13. I think the Chiefs might have been 13th, if I'm not mistaken. You could probably fact check me, but they were all in the range where like, yeah, they can run the football. And if they can run the football, that presents a problem because the Seahawks at that point in time, they had just got off on a high of shutting teams down. And then you look at the stats, and it's like, oh, yeah, well, this team, they're not that good at running the football. And they're not going to play every week a team that's not good at running the football. They're going to run into teams that can and will run the football. And unfortunately, they're getting ready to run into another team in the Carolina Panthers that the past few weeks have been pretty good since trading Christian McCaffrey have been good at running the football. So they're going to be tested again. And I, I honestly, I'm hoping they can figure it out, but how the Carolina Panthers run the football using multiple linemen, putting linemen in the backfield as fullbacks, that don't sound fun for your guys like Kobe Bryant who have to be in the box and trying to make a play on a 300-pound lineman running full speed to make a block. Yeah, I think, well, a few things. Uh, Pete Carroll is subtle, has subtly told us, um, he and Shane, perhaps, but mostly Pete, that the reason that Pete didn't want to do the let Russ cook thing is because 
probably didn't think Russ was capable of doing it. Like, which is, I mean, obvious when you shut down the let Russ cook thing, you're shutting down Russ in that regard. But now we're like really seeing that like, like Pete Carroll doesn't really have objection to how the offense looks right now um, because of the faith in Gino. Like he had objection to how the offense looked when it was very pass heavy in 2020. Like I'm, I, I could probably go look, I haven't, but I'm sure the pass rates in neutral situations are very similar this year as they were to the 2020 Seahawks let Russ cook, you know, that first like nine weeks or whatever, because these guys are just dropping back throwing like they're abandoning the run in some games and still <laughs> moving the ball. Um, yeah. you know, they did they totally abandoned it against the Rams, but it pretty much was like, damn. I mean, we'll give it to Tony Jones a little bit, but Gino go, you know, Gino. Go get this down, <laughs> which is the same thing they did against the Bucks and to to a similar extent the Raiders. And it just keeps working, you know, because yeah. Gino has been that good, and you don't really see win or lose, Pete Carroll kind of bemoan that offense, like dang man. I remember the first thing he would come out and say a lot of after those Russ Cooks. Gotta run games, better. Like, run the ball better. We gotta run the ball better. We gotta run the ball better. Now he's he said they have to run it better this year, but it's not like he's definitely okay with the pass run splits and just kind of how it looks. Um yeah. with them being kind of a throwing team. That's what they are. Be very clear like the, the Seahawks are like aren't they like yeah. throwing on I'll let you pull it up, but I know the stats would back up our discussion about how often they are throwing the football because that is what we're seeing. The eye test is like, oh my goodness. Pete is is like, you know what? Shane, Gino, y'all got it. You know, the run game, you know, we lost Rashad Penny, Kim Walker, he's doing well. Oh, struggling against these teams. But Gino, go ahead and throw it, brother. You got my blessing. And and it's not that they don't run it at all. And they were running it really well there week six through nine when Cannon just went crazy and won um you know, offensive rookie of the month, like they do run it, but like you look at these last few weeks again. I think the last few weeks have been a, an example of who they're more likely to be going forward. Um, and as I pull up the pass rate in neutral down situations, so this is first and second down, um, outside of two minute, which clearly teams are just throwing, and outside of blowouts, right? Because blowouts can kind of skew it one way or the other. If you're getting blown out, you're throwing it, if you're blowing the other team out, you're running it. So if we just look at when the game is in reach and it's not a two minute situation. So let me, I'll give you the number one team in pass rate. Chris, you can probably guess who it is. Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. After that, you have the Bengals. Then you have the Bills. And you have the Justin Herbert-led Chargers, who they just don't run it. Um, after that, you have the, the Seahawks. Check me in at number five. That's like, crazy. 59.9%. That is, that is why I never would have thought they'd be top 10, let alone number five, when it comes to first down, second down passing rate. That is, doesn't make sense. Right. Based that, on what Pete has said, and my, let, me, let, me, let me preface that. I'm not saying it don't make sense at all. Based on Pete Carroll's gene and what he wants to do, that ain't Pete Carroll, but it's working. Yes, it's Pete Carroll. That's what I'm saying. I think what we're learning here is Pete was always okay with this if they had the quarterback to do it. And I think that's he's insane just not, now. Just, Russ was that guy. I mean, <laughs> he was trying to quietly tell us the whole time. You know, um, we're seeing but, it front front street, man. Yeah. And now we just see like, oh, he is OK with this as long as they have the guy who can do it. But here's 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 the other thing about that, though, and why it's relevant to the Panthers game and every game they're going to play going forward is you do need some balance. And yes. what we've seen from them is some extremes of them not having balance. And it always hasn't come out in the just the raw numbers. Like, I think one game Ken had like was against the Raiders had like 14 touches uh, 14 carries, something like that, which is like an okay number. 
Um, and then DJ Dallas, I think, had a couple. And then uh, Travis Homerad had one or two, right? So the overall number is like, oh, okay, they didn't just abandon it. Um, but the threat of it is really not there. Um, it, it's just not. And that is eventually going to catch up to them. And it could catch up to them as early against the Panthers um, because they have, if, you, if you're not running it well, and you, because they do try and run it, and you're getting stuffed or whatever, and now it's second and 10, a second and 11, or whatever, however it may be, and you get into a third and eight, a third and nine. The Seahawks aren't a super great third down, uh, third and long team, even though Geno's been very good. And you get, there's going to be teams that have pass rushers who can kill your guy. And it really only takes one, as we saw from the Raider game, to really wreck your shit, you know? Max um, Crosby. It, it, for the Raiders, it was Max Crosby. For the Panthers, it's Brian Burns. For the Chiefs, it could be, you know, Frank Clark or even Carlos Dunlap or Chris Jones. Um, that's a lot of guys. And then the, the, the Jets <laughs> have a good D-line. Yeah. Uh, and then the Rams, the Rams clearly, like, as we just seen, have their guys. You know, this Michael Hoyt dude just turned into Aaron Donald uh, on, on Sunday. I think they had, Geno got sat by before times. So, like, it can, it, it doesn't take a good team to beat you when the only thing you do really well is throw it and you're and you're towards the other extremes at the other stuff. And I don't want to feel like we're reacting to the last three games because again I think that why they're getting beat up front or why they're they're uh, not being able to defend the run and we're not focused on offense, but why they're not being able to defend the run, why they're not running it super well, why the pass defense like shaky, like these are all things that maybe except for the pass defense, like it starts up front. They're not getting yeah. stuff done front. And even then, the pass defense, that trickles down, too, because if it's third and three, third and four, like, you, it's hard to just, like, call your best pass coverage or whatever or just ask your guys to play man or whatever because you still have to respect the run on third and three. Exactly. You have to the run on third and four. You know, you can't just bring in your dime package with all your six DBs on third and three. You can't because the other team could just run fucking your power. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you know, you can't, can't do that. Um, and so when you when you can't do that, the whole playbook is open for the whole game and everything. And then any team um, can get to you. And that's just on defense, on offense. Like, man, if you're in second and 10 all the goddamn time, you know, that's basically a throwing down. So now they can unleash their pass rushers on you. And it just, it just spirals when that's the only thing you do, you do super well. Um, you know, and I do think that's, that's a cause for concern against the Panthers um, who just quietly, the Panthers don't have like a great defense, but they do have they're some okay. really, they have some, yeah, they're like mediocre-ish. They have some good players. You know, yeah, like Brian, Brian Burns. Burns. Yeah, 10 Jared, sacks this season. <laughs> Jared Brown, um, defensive uh, interior defensive lineman. I love this stat that Nate Tice at the Athletic has kind of just uh, – I've always known it's a thing, but kind of brought it to my attention as a way to look at stuff other than pass rush. Is you look at tackles for loss and run stuffs. Um, so run stuffs are tackles for no game and then um, – and the tackles for loss on non-sacks are just obviously tackling in the backfield, which really shows impact. Like if you're stopping a guy for no gain or you're tackling in the backfield, you're really playing the run super well. Um, and it just shows way to show impact outside of just pass rush numbers because everyone doesn't get a chance to rush the passer, blah, blah, blah. Like so Brian Burns in that in that particular thing with uh, among defensive linemen and tackles for loss on non-sacks and then just run stuffs, like he's eighth among defensive linemen. Um <laughs> With uh, with twelve, and then Derek Brown's right behind him with ten. All right, so you That's got two dudes. There's exactly you got two dudes who can get you into second and ten or second and eleven or worse, just like that. You know, and that and that's just that's a bad four and eight Panthers team that has two guys like that. And then you look at their their linebackers and that same thing with uh again tackles for loss and run stuffs. You combine those, 
Shaq Thompson is is fourth among linebackers with 14. You know, Frankie Louvu, their other linebacker, uh, go Kooks, Frankie Louvu. Uh, Frankie's 20th, right, with nine tackles for loss and run stuffs. But and that doesn't sound like a crazy number. But you know who also has nine? Zadarius Smith of the Vikings, who might be, um, and uh, Dre Greenlaw of the Niners, another good linebacker. So, like, they basically, Frankie and Shaq are like legitimately two good linebackers. And on the back end, you got JC Horn who I haven't watched a ton of the Panthers this year, but one thing that I can I can kind of assess who's at the top of any given position is when I'm looking at stats for other guys on the Seahawks that are at the top of that position, and then I keep seeing the same names of other dudes. Like, for example, every time I look at stats for Geno this year, Tua Tungavailoa is there, Patrick Mahomes is there, um, Joe Burrow is now there. Like, oh, okay, these are the good quarterbacks. They're all right there where Geno is, and Geno's playing well. The same thing is true for J.C. Horn, their second-year corner. Every time I look up something for Tariq Woolen, JC right there, yards per coverage snap, passer rating allowed, which JC is better than Tariq in right now. Um, passes defense, JC hasn't been uh, as good as only like five. Um, JC hasn't allowed a touchdown in coverage this year. Like everywhere, every, every level of the defense, there's a there's dude. Someone. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a dude. And as we saw against the Raiders, you takes only, two or three, I should say, but <laughs> it takes two or three. But also, what we learned against the Raiders is if your blue chip guys just play well for that day, doesn't even matter what they've done the rest of the year, they play well that day, you can lose anybody. The Raiders have what four good players Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, uh, Josh Jacobs, and Max Crosby. They all played well <laughs> on one day, and the Seahawks lost. Same thing can be true of, of a Panthers team, you know, if you, if yeah. you don't. If you don't bring your A game, if J.C. Horn plays his plays well, and Derek Brown and and Shaq Thompson and Brian Burns, boom, you can tough day. You know, especially when you're one dimensional the way the way the Seahawks are. Because so I'm a little I'm a little worried, and that's just kind of looking at the offense. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like defensively, we talked about defense so much. I don't know how much we could add on to that, but <laughs> did you watch the, did you watch the 
film of the Rams game, the West Seahawks defense. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm gonna I'm I'm write about this too. This will probably I don't I, I'll oh. write about it as well. Go ahead. Go ahead. You look you look at the the defensive line, right? Would they have a they're they have a lot of jobs per se, a lot of responsibility, a lot of things they have to do because what they do helps out everyone behind them. Right. If you're not getting penetration, you're getting pushed back to linebackers. That creates running lanes, obviously, for the running backs. It creates time for the quarterback who wants to throw. And you saw that against the Rams. You see the play action. What happens? Everyone is out of position. Well, I get it. But you got to get back. And they don't get back quick enough. They're, you're not seeing that spark. And it's becoming an issue. If the Carolina Panthers run the football really well, it just allows them to do – it opens up the playbook. It allows them to get creative. Trick plays, all this other stuff. The wide receiver coming in motion, and then you faking a toss one way, and then it's a misdirection handoff. That just – you are allowing that because you cannot stop the run. It all really starts up front, which is very cliche. This is the cliche show of record right now. I but guess. Now I see why I see why coaches say that shit because they're right. When you watch no, film, yeah, they're really you can right. See it. You can see it. You can see if Al Wood is getting double teamed and you have a one-on-one -on -one matchup, and that one-on-one -on -one matchup is not won by that other defensive player, that creates problems for the rest of the unit. Now, when Al Woods makes his miraculous plays and able to, you know, toss one lineman or even beats a double team, okay, that's cool. But we also need your other guys to step up. We still need, not we, the Seahawks still need to see consistent play from a guy in Daryl Taylor. Chinnan Wilson has been probably the most consistent dude outside of Al Woods on that defensive line. That, he has to continue that. You can go across the board. Shelby Harris, need more consistency. He hits on some games, he's money, and then sometimes, eh, not so much. Everyone has to be hitting. You talked about the blue chip players for the other team. Well, the Seahawks have good players as well. They also have to do their part. They also have to be able to dominate in their spot, and that just creates problems for the other team. And if they can't, we will see what we witnessed against the Rams where, damn, that was the first possession? Okay, this is going to be a long-ass day. It might come down, can Gino win you the football game? And to be completely honest, it might be the same thing with Sam Donald if they don't create turnovers, if they don't get an interception, if they don't have a an explosive play defensively, that is, where they cause a turnover. That Shout-out to Tariq Wool and him just being a freak and him being able to make plays, and that's great and all, but... You also want to be sound and still make those plays. I'm not going to lie. He was out of position there. But he was lucky because the ball was poor, very underthrown. But that's neither here nor there because, as we talked about, usually passes are intercepted or bad passes. So in that scenario, shout out to Tariq. But, yes, it starts off from the defensive line. They have to. They have to fill those gaps on Sunday. If they don't, man, Deontay Foreman might go for a buck 20. So here's – he might. Um, And here's – so my behind the scenes little thing, my editor, we were talking on Monday and he was just like, hey, you know, you want to write about the run defense, you know, like what's going on or maybe there's something they could fix or something like that. I was like, you know, I'm not, I do, but I'm not really sure what the problem is. I, I probably have to go watch a little bit more film. This is like Monday. I, think I told him that. And then like we're recording on Tuesday. I have since watched uh, more film. And <laughs> the conclusion I've come to is actually very concerning. And I will watch this a little later and um, or I'll, I'll write about this probably later in the week, maybe Wednesday, maybe Thursday or something like that. The, the reason I'm kind of concerned is I, I watched the Bucks game again, um, just the defense, um, and then I watched the Raiders game again, and then I watched the Rams game, and I was like, oh, this is a problem. 
Um, and it's not just because they were getting run on. You know, it, it's it's how. So like the Bucks, right? For actually, for one, all of those teams ran for first downs, ran for more first downs than they had all year. I guess the Seahawks. I think except for the, I think the Bucks had never hit double digit first downs on the ground. They did against the Seahawks. The Raiders had like 13 first down runs, I think, against the Seahawks. They got like 14 against Denver um, earlier in the year. But other than that, pretty much one of their best days um, running for first down. And the Rams, I don't think, had double digit first downs on the ground all year and then did against the Seahawks. So you got that. Like teams are moving the chains just so statistically it was not it was not good. I went back, checked that, too. But the how was like, oh, shit, this is like this could be something. So we've kind of already talked about in previous pods why the Bucks game was concerning, because they, the Seahawks thought that the Bucks were going to run a bunch of quick game and abandon the run. And if you watch the Monday night game against the Saints, that that is basically what the Seahawks thought the, the Bucks were going to do against them was try to run it, fail and then just have Brady throw it a bunch like. That was the thought, and it was so, so much their thought that they benched Brian Monet, their backup nose tackle, and then got run all over by Rashad White. Uh, so, and it wasn't so, so that was a problem, but we could have dismissed that as like a one off outlier because, like, they won't get like schemed up like that again. Uh, but the Bucks also used a bunch of 12 personnel in that and 11, but they're be- they were most successful out of 12, which was two tight ends and one running back. They didn't really use a fullback. Then you get to the Raider game, the Raiders do use a fullback. And that boy, Jakob Johnson, whatever, is a beast, right? They use 21 personnel to, to death, right? 21 personnel, basically fullback, two uh, two running backs, usually one of them is a fullback and then a tight end, right? So that means we're going to run. And obviously it worked. I think, do I have the numbers? I have it somewhere. I can't find it. But the Seahawks gave up like 164 yards on like 11 carries out of 21 personnel. I'm pretty sure the Raiders average like 14 yards a carry out of 21 personnel. That's insane, right? But not only is that insane, it's totally different than how they lost the Bucks game, right? So now you got back-to-back weeks where the the other team has schemed up ways to run it on you with success that they had never had all year, right? That was a career high by Josh Jacobs and a career high by Rashad White, and they did it completely different ways. Um, and also part of the issue with the Raiders is that uh, the, the Seahawks were so worried about Devontae that they basically sacrificed a bit of their run defense to stop Devontae, which is another coaching thing. All right, go to the Rams game. These guys are starting John Walford. And like you said, they're doing all this misdirection stuff, um, and they're doing it out of, out of a different personnel grouping than the Raiders and the Bucks. The, the, by my count, the Rams ran 11 personnel, which is one running back and one tight end. They ran that the entire game, like literally the whole game, one personnel grouping, and ran for 171 yards. With run, they did it with running backs. They did it with their quarterbacks on boots. And I know the boots don't go into the designed run category, but they're still part of it because when you're booting your quarterback out, you also account for the fact that if there's nothing there, he can just run, you know, which is what happened when Bryce Perkins came in on the one snap he played. He <laughs> ran for five did. yards on a scramble. He ran for first down. He did, uh, yes. Yeah, he did. It, it was, was first third and it was third and three or something, and they called the boot. Like I'm like, how do you not see this coming? I saw it coming. He ain't throwing it. <laughs> Once they put the black quarterback in, you know they run it. That's what. They, <laughs> that's how you got to see that. And so, so you got the Rams do did it completely differently than the Bucks and the Raiders did. They ran misdirection under center, um, jet sweep stuff. Like uh, they they did it. They a lot of perimeter run game, whereas the other teams were a little different, a little bit more smash mouth, I guess I should say. And that's where I was when I said when I finished all three games, I was like, oh, okay. 
So every week, the other team is scheming up a way to run it on the Seahawks. That's bad. If it was one thing, that would still be bad. But, like, you can eventually fix one thing and force the other team to do something else. Like, and then I watched the the the, the Carolina game. Watch them against the, the – who they play? Denver. Watch Carolina versus Denver from week 12. And the Carolina, they had a, they had a game plan that was a little bit of – Niners. Buck. Oh, Bucks. Okay. Yes, yes. The Niners, but for you to stay with the example, it was a kind of like Bucks and Raiders combined. So, the, like you mentioned earlier, they used – a 325 pound fullback. They're basically using one of their extra linemen as a fullback, not That's as cheating. a extra, not as extra tackle. They That's put cheating. Kim in the backfield at 300 pounds and ran it. <laughs> and then they're doing the George Fant thing. Seahawks fans remember when it was always number 74 is eligible. I don't know if you guys can you guys hear that on TV? When they oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So well, I can. Uh, I can't speak for everybody else because I'm like I said, I'm locked in. So <laughs> but, yeah. it's there. Yeah. So number 74 is eligible. They usually repeat it. Like um the the Panthers do that as well with one of their extra tackles named Cam Fleming, I think is his name. So they have plays where they have a fullback that's 300 pounds. They have an extra lineman. So you got seven linemen essentially on the field and then like DJ Moore, and then they run it. Like that's that's a combination of both teams, uh, just downhill smash mouth. And then their running back, Deontay Foreman, has been like a top five running back in the league since the Christian McCaffrey trade. I got them stats in front of me still. I do. All right. So since week seven, which is when, you know, uh, after the Christian McCaffrey trade, uh, the Panthers are sixth in yards per carry on design runs. That's 136 yards a game. That's very good. Scary. Yeah, it's very good. Um, And then Deontay Foreman, he's fifth in rushing yards among running backs um, in that same span. Right. So he's been like a a top five, six ish back in the league since they got rid of who we all thought was a top five ish, (laughs) you know, running back. That's and the way they're doing it. At least the Sam Darnold's only played one game for them, um, and it was the Denver game. But I imagine because it freaking worked that they'll that they'll do it again. Uh, they put the fullback in the game. They were under center a lot. They did a lot of play action. They ran it downhill a lot. Not a lot of perimeter stuff. Um, and Sam Darnold, as a result, didn't turn it over and he wasn't sacked. And he threw three explosive completions. Um, and he threw a touchdown pass. The touchdown pass was against Patrick Sertan, uh, the second, and it was off play action. He had another uh, explosive to DJ Moore over the middle. Uh, it was off play action, and it was against Patrick Sertan. He had a 52-yard completion down the sideline, off play action against Patrick Sertan, the second. Like, that's that was their game plan. Play action, come downhill at you, uh, and then if we got a shot, even if it's against your best corner, we're going to take it. And I'm not saying that's exactly what's going to work against the Seahawks, but damn it, I can see Steve Wilkes trying it. You know, and yeah, that's scary. That's... Sam Donald ain't good. If Sam Donald can do that against Denver's passing defense, which is their defense is a really whole good league, yeah. If he could do that, a bad quarterback like Sam Donald can do that against that team. What can he possibly do against a Seahawks defense um, that's statistically and on film just far worse than Denver? Like I think. There are reasons to be very concerned defensively for the reasons I mentioned. Teams are just finding a new way to scheme it up every week, and they're having success. Quarterback situation be damned. You know, and that, that, that's problematic for me when I watch the film and then look at the numbers on it. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. 
My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Before we get out of here, I'll say this. I think as the coordinators, defensive coordinators for the Seahawks coming into this game, look at what they do best and try to stop it. Don't think, oh, DJ Moore, he's he's probably one of those. He's a star on this team. We're going to focus on shutting him down. He hasn't been all that this season. There's no need to really worry about him. Obviously, you want to stop him, but clearly there's bigger issues. The run game. You need to stop that. You look at what they try to do against the Raiders. Pete Carroll even admitted, yeah, we want to slow down Devontae. We realize he's elite. We're not letting him beat us. They also forgot there's a guy, you know, named Josh Jacobs who's pretty good at running the football. Mm-hmm. Raiders like, oh, cool, two safeties? We're going to run it. We're just going to run it. Oh, you're not going to change? You're not going to make – what you say? I said with the fullback, too, against those yeah. two high safeties. Whew. You're not going to make any adjustments? Cool. We're going to continue to run the football because we think we can break one. Oh, overtime? First play? You know what? They're in too high again. Let's just run it. Jakob, you ready? Let's go. Touchdown. Ball game. You got to – coming into this week, you got to look at this is what the Panthers do well. They want to bring extra linemen. I expect a lot of base defense, a lot of 3-4, a lot of cover three with your safety in the box because guess what? They're going to try to run it on you. Now it's up to your defensive linemen and these guys to get – to move these offensive linemen back and get that line of scrimmage established, obviously, but don't put your defense in a situation where maybe you see a lot of Kobe Bryant out there because you're expecting them to try to use DJ Moore. Other receivers, they're not. That's not their style. Mike, you said you've watched them play. At least some mm-hmm. of the film you saw, they like to run it. Okay, Seahawks got to be right on point with their coaching going into the week. It can't be we're going to do it this way because we think this is the best way. No, no, no. Go off what the film is telling you. Go what your eyes are seeing, what they're telling you. If it's saying this is going to be a run, they're going to try to slap us in the face and run the football, all right, bring out the heavy-duty guys. Brian Monet needs to be in that front. Let's get the fat boys going. Let's let's set the line of scrimmage early. Send a message that, yeah, you're not running the football on us. You're going to have to pass it. If you're going to beat us, DJ Moore's going to have to have 250 yards, and then we could dissect that afterwards like, damn, uh, DJ Moore just had a career day. I don't know what happened. Obviously, we'll go look at the film and say, damn, they got to fix this now. But as, it, as it's as it been, it's been the running. The running of the football has been the Achilles heel of this team so far. And it hasn't been against teams that haven't run the football well, but now that we're getting to that backstretch of the season where you mentioned, yeah, there's going to be some teams that can't run it, you got to make an adjustment defensively, and maybe that's bringing more fat men up front stuff in that line of scrimmage, having your linebackers come down, bringing the extra safety in. Hopefully Ryan Neal's healthy because he's a guy that can play the run fit. And then someone that you miss is Jamal Adams. Having Jamal might be really, really big in this scenario because guess what he's good at? <laughs> he is stuffing the run. He is someone that, I mean, what if scenarios I can't really speak on because he's not playing, 
But in the past, when he has been playing, I know pass coverage wasn't his strength. He could do it. But, man, when it comes to running, teams trying to run the football, Jamal wasn't having it. And not having him, you're starting to see, oh, damn, you know, it's he's been out the whole season. <laughs> and you could tell that they're missing him. And they're trying to figure out what can the Seahawks do to solve that problem. Having Ryan No banged up doesn't really hurt, doesn't help you because he is someone that can fill that void. It hasn't been consistent because he's been banged up, but they're really struggling right now without Jamal in that run defense. I think having him up there changes everything, but we won't get to see that until next season. So for now, go off what your eyes are telling you and just go with the gut. You know this team's going to come out and try to run it on you. They're going to bring in a freaking 315, 350-pound lineman as a fullback. All right, man, you got to have your front set. You got to have your linebacker, and you have a safety down in the box as well, man, or else it's going to be another punch in the face on the first drive, and then we're going to be sitting there thinking, damn, is Gino going to have to save this team again? What you can do. Yes, what you can do. I think that was the – I think I wrote that. Did I write that? I wrote that, yeah, on Tuesday, yeah. Um, that Gino can throw the Seahawks to victory. You just don't want to have to have him do it, you know, every week. Um, although I, I think he's equipped against every team that they're about to play going forward. Like, I don't think any, any, there is no, after what he did against the Rams, um, particularly since they didn't have Aaron Donald, uh, I think that, and that, that Jalen Ramsey just seems cooked this year, too. Um, Jesus, I think Jalen leaves all corners and touchdowns given up with seven. He's got the highest passer rating allowed um, among corners. Like yeah, Jalen has just been bad. Um, but anyway, because Gino is like just, oh, maybe the Niners defense is the one that he won't carve up because that Niners defense is legit. But other than that, I think he can throw you to victory against every team uh, but the Niners. But, yeah, I think that it's a conundrum with the run defense because um, I was asking myself, that's the reason why I haven't put the piece out yet because I'm like, all right, I need to end this piece with, okay, Mike, You've established the right defense isn't good. Where's the, yeah, what's the solution? People listen to us right now. It's probably like, okay, Mike, Chris, how we stop it? You used to talk about the front. The the tricky part, if I'm Clint Hurt, is so what you did see them try to do against the Rams is um well, they 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 had some troubles on the edge and they made some subs, as you could see in that one. But the other part was they they did start running their cover nine stuff. Um which is more like a match cover three, which is how like you've seen Tariq kind of stay with those over routes. Um, like I think they were in like cover nine, which requires you to like, again, match your route and your zone. I think they were on that on the one, two, two Atwell catches the one hander, which is why you yeah. see Michael Jackson on the opposite side of the field. Um, I think because he's supposed to match that. At least that's my thought. Um, I'll ask him about it during the week, but it's the same thing uh, on Tariq's pick six. Like you see him following the route out of his zone. That's why those plays Look the way they do. But you saw those worked. Like, uh, I think right after, I think the very next play after Bryce Perkins uh, comes in and runs that, that that first down, the next play in the Rams game is John Walford throwing an over route to Van Jefferson against Tariq. You know, yeah. and it open on that play too. I think that was covered three as well. A couple of the plays that uh, Michael Jackson got beat on were play action, covered three. Because when you, when you do dedicate that safety, well, now your corners are exposed. And coming into the Raiders game, I was I was critical, or at least coming out of the Raiders game, I was critical of their game plan. Like, oh, we got to stop Devontae. We got to go, you know, play it a certain way. I was like, I don't know, man. Your corners are actually playing all right. Like, I, I have faith have, in them. Yeah, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been as afraid of Devontae as they were with their um, with their scheme as they they proved to be. Now, granted, then Devontae just went off the next week. Um, so maybe <laughs> I, but getting it, the, the Chargers' corners aren't as good as the Seahawks' corners, and so, but you saw like. 
I bet you if I was said to Peter Clint Hurt, they'd probably be like, well, go watch our Rams film. Look at all, look at look at the plays we could have given up. Um, that we did give up. You know, you had Trey Brown give up some plays, you had Michael Jackson give up some explosives, uh, Tariq gave up an explosive uh, in situations where they were essentially one-on-one. Now Tariq made up for it a little bit, but I watched that game and like at, at the point of we were recording now, the Rams have already claimed Baker Mayfield. Some people are like, oh man, why would they claim Baker Mayfield? Well, because Sean McVay watched the film of the Seahawks game. It probably was like, if I had a quarterback who could throw it further than 30 yards, we'd probably win the game. Did you watch <laughs> like, the game-ending throw? My man threw it 25 yards. <laughs> oh, the no game, tip. I, I've, I've tweeted this clip, too. Um, the, 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 the play that Cody intercepts in that game, I thought in real time, because I was kind of like writing notes and stuff, the game was already over. So I was like, I, I kind of just looked up and Cody picked it. I'm like, oh, damn, that, that throw sucked. He probably got hit or something like that because he had been sacked by Daryl Taylor a couple plays earlier too. Um, I watched the film. I said, no, he takes like four hitches and fires the ball like 25 yards. Yeah, that was that, he, can't, he ain't got no arm strength. He got a noodle arm. I was like, that was embarrassing. And then you go watch the 2-2 Atwell play that Tariq, Tariq recovers on. Yes, Tariq recovers very well. It's a great play by Tariq. If that throw was on the money, that's six. That's yeah, <laughs> two two's fast too. <laughs> yeah, two 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 two's probably damn near just as fast as Tariq. And and he has him by like three yards. Like <laughs> the ball would have had to been in the air a lot longer. That gives Tariq more time to get under it. Like there's some, you know, some 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 science to that. But still, a better throw gives two two more of a chance. That's um, it. And McVeigh probably watched that tape like I cannot build a game plan with this guy again. I just can't. He's throwing the ball like a shot put. It's like that's just <laughs> that's, that's insane. And they're not going to play quarterbacks who throw with a shot put every week. Um, and they're going to need their corners to hold up. I think Tariq will be fine holding up. But now that the issue, uh, going back to the run stopping thing, the issue now is you dedicate that stuff, those guys to the box. Well, now you you got this rotating thing you're doing with Trey Brown and Michael Jackson. which I, I Stop that. Hard. That needs to stop. That, that's got to end. Dead that. Yeah. Pick a guy. I don't really care who it is at this point, whether it's Trey or whether it's Michael Didn't Jackson. Didn't you like it at first, though, Mike? Weren't you on board or you understood it? I swear you said you kind of understood because I told you, I was like, Mike, I don't like that. And you're like, nah, Chris, I get it. And I'm like, no, I don't. Maybe I'm misquoting you, but I swear earlier in the year, you didn't have a problem with it. Or maybe not this year, but I know previous, we've talked about this. Do you not remember this conversation? I, I didn't like it when they were doing it with Trey Flowers and Quentin Dunbar. I never, I never liked that. I so maybe I'm just, I just, I'm just misreading something, misinterpreted something you said. Cause I swear you were on board. Like, nah, Chris, I rock. I'm like, what? No, this not, this is not good. I, I could have said I'm not saying I didn't. I, we, we we talk a lot and we have done a million pots, so that's very possible. <laughs> well, it wasn't on wax. It wasn't on a oh, pot. Okay. This yeah. was just this is just me and you chopping it up, and you were like, "Nah, I get it. I get what P's doing." I'm like, "No, Mike, I don't get it. There's no point." But clearly, you have changed, so that's fine. Maybe I'm wrong, and I am remembering something else. So that could be it. But long story short, yes, they got they got to dead that. Yeah, stop that because I think that'll help. Um, because. Realistically, I do think Michael Jackson can hold his own. Like he's made some really good plays and coverage this year. Um, I think Michael Jackson and Tariq, if you're just like, all right, guys, we're gonna do a lot of we're gonna need to dedicate a safety in the box so we stop getting run on. Can you guys hold it down? I think they can. Like I think they'll be able to this week. The the tricky part will be the Chiefs. Yeah, you gotta be a little careful against the, the Chiefs. But the Chiefs are more like the Rams Number and that they the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> the Chiefs kind of run it with everybody from what I've seen. They run it with their rookie, but they also like hand it to uh, Marquez, I think. Like, I think he's run for a touchdown this year. Somebody's run for a touchdown, one of the receivers. Maybe like they 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 get they get tricky with their stuff. It ain't just traditional hand hand it off. But I do think the other tricky part 
This will be the last thing on here because I do think that's the answer is dedicating, like putting Ryan in the box, putting Quadra in the box if you need to, whoever you know you need to to help to help out up front. I think the other thing though that's tricky is when you do get those play action stuff, you're getting, you're turning, you're 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 putting your uh, your underneath coverage guys in in some issues with the stuff too. Like there's a play against the Rams that uh, people probably remember. John Walford throws it and Van Jefferson's open, but Kobe Bryant reaches up and swats it almost like a volleyball, like one hand. And that's a great play by Kobe. That ball, again, you get a guy that's not throwing it like a medicine ball. <laughs> that's a huge gain to Van Jefferson. Um, because And you see that they're un- that's the underneath coverage. So you're getting like – you get more of Jordan Brooks in coverage. You get more of Cody Barton in coverage, which is not like bad, but it's a different type of coverage. I think Cody is at his best when he's like turning and running like we saw against the Chargers where he's like – garden seam routes or even the interception he got against the, the that he helps Quandre get against the Raiders. He's turning, running. That's kind of Cody's thing. Instead, you're getting like back to the old Seahawks defense where you're like, all right, everyone's looking at the quarterback and just dropping and then trying to feel out the routes around them. Then you got crossers and stuff and it can get really tricky. Like I do see why the Rams game showed like, okay, that's not just the simple answer, but you can't get run on. That's I think they got to make the choice. Like, do we sacrifice a little bit of pass coverage, put more on our guys' plate in order to stop the run? And I think the answer is is yes. I do Can't think they do have it. a to do it. I think I think they got the between Mike Jack or Trey. Again, don't care who, just play one. Between Mike Jack and Trey, between Kobe Bryant, who at the end of the day is a cor- a cover corner, um, between Tariq, Ryan, Quandre, um, and what Cody's been able to do in coverage. Like, I think. They can make the decision to, hey, we're going to make sure this Deontay Foreman dude, who's 235 pounds, doesn't run all over us. We're going to make sure he doesn't. And if and if that means they're throwing it to LaVisca Chenault or whatever, that means they're throwing it to him and DJ Moore, God bless. Because at the end of the day, the more Sam Darnold throws, the more likely he is to fuck up. Well, yeah, yeah that's better for the defense because the more likely he is to fuck up. You know, because that's what Sam does. That, that's that, that, his that, DNA. That, yeah, that's why he's on – that's why he's – no longer on the team. They drafted him like number two overall or whatever. So, or number three overall, whatever it was. Um, so no, nah, he was actually drafted later, but you guys get my point. Anyway, that's gotta be it. Dedicate more bodies and trust your guys in coverage. Now that can get tricky. I understand. Um, the Broncos tried that similar thing and all it took was a few explosives between Sam DJ Moore against Patrick Sertan and the game was lost that. And also Sam Donald fumbling the ball, falling on it. And then fire drill rolling into the end zone. <laughs> Very, no one, it was a very, no one touched this man. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a very fluky play. Like, it, it, But still, they would have won without that touchdown because the Broncos defense, the Broncos offense is ass. But, yeah, that's the solution to it. It's not easy. It's not just like, oh, stuff the, bo- stuff the box, leave you guys out to dry. That's tough. But, Chris, they got to do it. Because you got to try it. You, you do. Because the when you, when you can get run on. Everything any, else. Is. <laughs> yeah, it's all open, and any team can beat you with any quarterback. They almost lost to John Wofford. No, Mike. They were able to hand it off a lot with success. And when you can hand it off with success, the quarterback almost becomes irrelevant. It really almost does because you're just running down the other team's throat. Well, look, that's what we got for you guys. Panthers versus Seahawks coming up on Sunday. It should be a blowout. The Seahawks should be able to mop them. But based on how things have gone these past three weeks, I don't know if that'll be the case. I do think the Seahawks will win the game. I'll say 27 to 21. Mike, what you got for a score? And by the way, the Seahawks are favorite minus three and a half. 
Yes, Seahawks favorite. I'll, I'll take the, the Seahawks to cover, um, even though they did not last week. Um, I'll take them uh, 24 to 20. I think it. I think both defenses should. Man, it's it's just so obvious how both teams should play this defensively. If you're the, <laughs> you're the Panthers, hey, you give you, me you, a headset. I'm calling plays. Hey, blitz everybody. They running it. Blitz everyone. I don't care. Cornerback. Everybody rush. Engaged eleven. Let's get it. Well, I know it's coming. Uh, play action you to death. I want to do that. <laughs> but I think if, I, if I'm the Seahawks defense, it's 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 very simple. I make. I make uh, Sam Darnold have to beat us. That's what I do. And if, you know, and if I'm the Panthers defense, I, I say anyone, we're not going to let Geno beat us. That's what, that's what you have to do. That's both teams should be going in with that plan. And I think if they execute that plan, the Seahawks should still win out because um, the Panthers offense is poop and Geno Smith is just that dude. That's what it really should come, come down to. That's why I picked them to beat the Rams because the, uh, the Rams offense is poop and Geno's that dude. Kind of got half right, so that that's kind of what I'm going with uh, on on Sunday. Uh, so I, I, I they should win this game. I don't think they'll blow them out because for reasons we've seen the last few weeks, it's just hard to blow teams out when you're not running it super well and you can't stop the run. You know, just you know, hard to hard to do that. They should blow them out. You're right, but I don't I don't think they will. But I do think the Seahawks. I think they'll win the game. Well, there you have it. We'll catch you guys Friday with another breakdown. Yeah, if you got plays. Send it to us as early as you can because we like to get as much information as we can before we present it to you. How do we? How does it look to present something we're not even 100% sure on? Can't do that. So exactly. if you could, if you have stuff and you're sending it to us, just try to send it to us at earliest, maybe two, Tuesday or Wednesday. I know everyone's busy and doing their own thing, but if you have a play that you guys want us to break down, just try to get it to us as early as possible. That way we can get it to you guys on Friday and have a great presentation. Other than that, we'll see you guys Friday, and then after that we'll have the recap of the Seahawks and Panthers. Anything you want to add, Mike? Yeah, don't don't suggest the unbalanced line strip sack. I don't think Chris and I can explain that one. I I, I know you probably guys are probably curious about. It. That's the one play I just don't. I, I didn't I got even think play. of that. I don't know what they were doing. <laughs> it, it was, exactly, it was a big play. Like I'm sure people are curious, like what the fuck? And it's just like I hear you guys, but I do not have the capacity to explain. <laughs> we do that. not have the capacity. <laughs> See that yeah, video? yeah, don't have the capacity to, to ex- explain that. But any other play. Go ahead and submit but that one out to you right now. We will not break that one down. That's not our bet. Anything else, though, is fair game. That's it. It's all one day. On that note, we will talk to you guys later.